Welcome to episode 46 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. Today I am here with Pastor John Payne, Senior Minister of Christ Church. Uh, my name is Ross Hodges. I'm Associate Pastor. And uh, our normal uh, panel member, Dr. Gabriel Williams, is unable to be here today. We think he's out chasing a hurricane or something of that sort. Yes, he is the professor of physics at College of Charleston and of Atmospheric, atmospheric science or atmospheric physics, something of the sort. Something like that. Gabe's been trying to explain it to us for uh, three years now. We still haven't <laughs> we still quite understood, but we know he's really smart. And, and he's doing important work, yeah. and we're sorry he can't be here today. Yes. But, uh, John, today we want to talk about the topic of evening worship. Um, I grew up with evening worship. Uh, my wife grew up with evening worship on Sundays uh, for both of us. We came from different parts of the country and different denominations, but... Sunday was a day where you get up, you have breakfast with your family, you go to church, you spend time with your church family, you go home, perhaps have someone over. Uh, we That was a very normal part of our Sunday uh, growing up. I, we lived out in the country and uh, had an old farmhouse, and my parents would very, very often, perhaps more often than not, some years, uh, be inviting somebody over, um, and, and you fellowship, and then you go back to church. Um, and you have evening worship, and for... Uh, for myself, for my wife, that was just a normal part of life. Uh, it was expected. Um, the majority of the congregation came back. At Christ Church, we started with evening worship. Our uh, first few months together, uh, we had only evening worship, and then we moved to morning and evening worship. Explain to our listeners, Ross, why we did that. Some may scratch their head and say, why did you all start with evening worship? Well, yeah, we started evening worship um, because we wanted to emphasize the importance and, uh, I mean, yes, pragmatically, it was easier to find space uh, to have evening worship. Um, that is true. But we also, uh, we could have met in somebody's living room if we had, you know, really needed right. to do that uh, for morning worship. And some churches start with, like, a Bible study. Exactly. Some church plants start with, you know, just meetings in someone's home or kind of an informal Bible study. We decided from the very beginning to start with Worship. With worship and evening worship in particular. And evening worship in particular. And part of that was, yes, a, a decision because uh, part of the reason we're having this very episode is because so few churches are having evening worship. It, it made space readily available for us in other churches to yes. be able to use space uh, for evening worship at the beginning. Exactly. So it was pragmatic, but also it was conviction. And that's what we want to talk about today is why do we do it? Um, and I, I gave that a little bit of background uh, on myself and Joanna, my wife. Uh, because the way that we grew up is not, by and large, the way that um, that people today, the kids today, um, families today, are conducting themselves, mm -hmm. and um, and we just want to talk about that. Well, you know, why is that? Why has the church historically, the Reformed Church, had morning and evening worship, um, and why is it really on the wane now? Why is it um, more often than not churches don't? And uh, there's pragmatics to that, but there's also theology to that. So we want to talk about that. Yeah, I think that. The, the main reason why, by the way, not only Reformed churches, but also Anglican churches and, and Baptist churches and mm -hmm. Methodist churches and Congregational churches uh, in the past have been committed to morning and evening worship uh, is because of the Fourth Commandment. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, the Bible says in Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And uh, the, the, the seventh day of creation was established by God himself as a day of rest mm -hmm. uh, from the other six days of labor. And that was 
uh, reinforced in the Decalogue in the Ten Commandments and also amongst the prophets that, that uh, was reinforced and we see it all throughout Old Testament Israel. And then we see the Lord Jesus not uh, doing away with the Sabbath but explaining what it is yeah. and bringing some clarity to it and trying to remove some of the, uh, the additional uh, tradition mm -hmm. and additional laws, man-made laws that were surrounding the, the Sabbath day uh, because of the Pharisees. And as many of our listeners will know, the Pharisees, uh, in order to help the people of God to obey God's revealed word better, came up with other rules and laws surrounding it. But then mm -hmm. what happened was those rules and laws that, that, that were man-made actually overshadowed and eclipsed yeah. the law of God, thus bringing distortion and legalism into the, the whole understanding of Sabbath. And so that's, the, I think, the first reason why we've had morning and evening worship, uh, not only in the Reformed tradition, but in several Christian traditions, in order to bookend the day with morning and evening worship to help God's people to keep the day holy and it not just be the Lord's morning or the Lord's hour. So the Lord's day, um, which is now the first day of the week, um, because of what has transpired with the uh, resurrection of the Lord Jesus and what we see in the New Testament, the pattern of worship. Uh, but the Lord's day uh, is is more about is more than just about uh, going to church in the morning, and it's it's about the entire day as you're stressing here. And so that's part of what goes into this is we're not. We're not uh, focusing on just an hour or two and the importance of an hour or two. We're, we're, we're focusing on the entirety of the day. So, Which is what God's Word does. Yes, it does. <laughs> and we do that because we yeah. believe that's biblical. We didn't just come up with that before this podcast started. <laughs> no, yeah. believe it or not. Um, so uh, worship is an uh, important part of the Lord's Day. What is happening in worship? Let's, let's talk about that for a moment before we move on to why we do it in the morning and then again in the evening. Worship is the central part of discipleship for God's people. Um, mm -hmm. It is the essence of Christian discipleship. Uh, we have turned the word discipleship uh, to mean something, I think, different than essentially what it's meant to be in the Bible. Namely, that discipleship is what happens when you're at the coffee shop with a friend going through a book together or in a small group setting. And while those uh, are discipleship also, they can be discipleship, uh, it is when God's people gather together in his, in his special presence on the Lord's Day, when His holy people gather on His holy day uh, to be... Uh, to receive God's holy word from the lips of the man who's been set apart to preach that holy word uh -huh. and to administer the holy sacraments and to offer holy prayers, that that is the workshop of the Holy Spirit whereby he uh, convicts and conforms uh -huh. uh, his people and, and to the image of Christ. And so... The Lord's Day becomes a kind of golden day of discipleship for the Christian believer if understood properly because of what takes place in morning and evening worship as God's people gather in God's presence. So as wonderful as it is, and we truly mean it is wonderful, to get together with Christian brothers and sisters, uh, to have um, fellowship, Bible study, accountability, prayer during the week, those are fantastic things. Important. Important things, indeed. Yeah. 
um, it's still not the same as the church officially gathering, being called together by God's word, sitting under the preaching, uh, coming to the table, um, being administered the sacraments. It that is still a a a more special thing or a, a separate thing. Yes, They're, we don't equate those two exactly. No, I, it's it's uh, concentrated uh, discipleship. You know, when I was growing up, we would. Um, get the the orange juice concentrate in the yep. can yep oh i remember it and <laughs> yeah you would you'd get the the can opener out and uh you open the can of orange juice concentrate you pour it into the uh to the jug and then you would add three cups of water and yep. uh and then you would stir it up well lord's day worship is like discipleship concentrate mm. uh, it's where you are with the gathered people of god under the accountability of the elders, uh, and where a careful exposition of Scripture is being proclaimed uh, to you, because your pastor knows you and loves mm -hmm. you, and where you're coming to the Lord's table, and where you're uh, you're uh, taking part in, in in baptisms through vows and uh, prayer, and remembering your own baptism, and where you're approaching the Lord in prayer, and so public worship is. Uh, is like uh, you know discipleship on steroids mm. when done according to scripture now we know a lot of worship these days in broad evangelical circles is geared towards making people feel comfortable or giving Some them a little, a little uh, you know good advice for the Christian life rather than proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ yeah. from his word mm. so uh, what we're talking about here is a, a good and faithful expression of worship that's biblical. So worship is an integral part of the Lord's Day, which which God and His Word is set up to be a, a central part of Christian discipleship. Um, so the question then is, why not just once? Why can't we just have one really good worship service and and then go home and and you know sort of rest the rest of the day or you know get get some chores done or whatever? Like what? Why? Why make, um, as some might think, why make a fuss about coming back? Like, why have an evening service? Well, again, it's the Lord's day. It's not the Lord's morning. It's not the Lord's hour. Now, one could have discussion about when that day ends, um, when it begins exactly, you know. Uh, I know that um, uh, there are expressions where the Lord's day would begin... Um, you know, on the eve, uh -huh. uh, uh, and move all the way through midnight and the next day, and those kinds of things. Um, I, I think there can be discussion about that, but I think that's kind of quibbling with some of the details. The, sure. the most important thing is that we capture the idea that it's a day set apart to the Lord. So, is that sun up to sundown? Is that, uh, you know, sun up to to benediction in the evening service? Right. Uh, so people may quibble about that. Those who don't, don't, aren't committed to morning and evening worship, I'd say that my version that I do is better than the version you don't do. Um, <laughs> so we have typically taken the, the position where after the benediction and evening worship, then the, the Lord's day has been completed and we've sure. had a wonderful day set apart. Um, but I thought it might be important to just think about why has the Lord's Day 
become so um, marginalized mm-hmm. and even unknown in our day. I mean, most evangelical Christians these days have really no understanding of or connection to. I mean, it's not even on the radar right. in terms of evening worship. Right. It wouldn't even occur to them that you would go back to church after you went there in the morning. Right. What are some of the reasons? I mean, we can discuss that for a moment. Yeah, no, I, I think that's um, that's one of the main questions here uh, that that we have to ask. Um, I think, first and foremost, um, we have lost uh, exactly what we've been talking about. The church has lost the doctrine of the Lord's Day. It, it, it has become about um, the experience of worship, and there are uh, folks, you know, well-meaning, uh, but folks who have come to believe that, uh, and churches that teach that it doesn't really matter when you do it, um, you can go Wednesday night and go Saturday night and go Sunday morning and go Sunday night. Just you know, just pick a time that's convenient for you and just come gather with the church uh, at some point during the week, and and you're good. It's kind of like you just you just need to come around once in a while and um, and and get your fix, as it were. And and so we've completely lost the doctrine, as you've been dis- uh, explaining that doctrine of the Lord's Day, that it's a, it's a holy day. You believe in the Nine Commandments, not the Ten Commandments. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's, there is misunderstanding there, and or just at least inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, that says, well, this one is really sort of Old Testament-y, you know, so we don't, we don't really need that. Of course, you know, the Seventh Commandment, the Eighth Commandment are still for today, but I mean, who does, you know, we don't really need to do that thing with, you know, the Sabbath. That was Saturday anyway. And there's just a misunderstanding of how the fourth commandment is brought into the new covenant, uh, bad teaching, all that. So I think I think that's the first thing um, is that there's a, a loss of idea of the Lord's day, and so it if you go to church in the morning, great, and then it's you know the rest of the day is just time off from work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say that's one. I think the culture has also secondly put great pressure uh, and just had a very uh, large influence on the thinking of Christians who are living in the midst of that culture. Uh, one of my professors pointed out how um, the rise of the NFL has actually really uh, impacted that. Um, the, I, I heard a commercial you know, within the past couple of years listening to the radio. Uh, it was a TV commercial for some sort of NFL package, and it literally said, the, 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 the announcer on the commercial literally said, become the king of Sunday nice. and buy this package so that all your friends can come watch every NFL game that's on all day. Um, but that's the idea that the culture has put forward, is that it's a day for leisure, it's a day for you, it's a day for entertainment, yes. and so forth and so on. Yes. And that thinking has crept into, even if it's not that blatant, has crept into the minds of Christians that really this day is just about me, um, and they pick up on the part about resting, and, and that, that then gets equated with the leisure. Yes. Uh, and and uh, rather than resting in the Lord, exactly, it becomes a f- which is not sleeping; it's worshiping. Right, it's not sleeping. <laughs> it's not you know fishing. It's not. I mean, you know, not to say you can't sleep or you're necessarily in sin if you do something that is considered leisure for some. Um, but it becomes about you, and it becomes about some sort of uh, cultural, yes. f- you know, physical rest instead of a spiritual rest in Christ and all that's contained there. Yes. Yes. Um, very important points. Uh, consumerism has overwhelmed our culture, and it's made us believe that uh, the world revolves around us. Mm-hmm. And so there's no sense in which uh, we feel uh, obligated uh, as a church to gather together on the Lord's Day. In fact, 
many have argued that the reason why church attendance among many Christians is so patchy these days, even in the mornings, is because of the loss of the evening service. Mm. Um, I heard once heard it said that when you lose the evening service, or that's out of the Christian mind, then you will soon begin to compromise the morning service. And once you start compromising the morning service, then you start uh, doubting the faith. Mm. And uh, it was, uh, uh, I think, who was it? The theologian that said, um, it's a small step from no Sabbath to no God. Mm. And... We need to understand, I think, Ross, that in God's love and fatherly wisdom, he knows that uh, when we give up the first fruits of something to his glory and to prioritize uh, those first fruits, then we tend to then commit ourselves more uh, uh, firmly to whatever it is that we're giving up. You know, committing those things to the Lord. So, when it comes to our money, for instance, we are called to give up the first fruits of our income. Yes. And in the Old Testament, it's uh, 10% tithe. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, while there's nothing specific about uh, the tithe, uh, I believe, and uh, many others believe, that 10% should be the minimum because that was Old Covenant giving. Shouldn't mm-hmm. our New Covenant giving be more generous? Mm. Uh, than even that. That should be a minimum uh, of what we give to the Lord, uh, which is already His. Uh, so we have the first fruits of our money that we're supposed to give. Then if we give the first fruits of our income, we're demonstrating our commitment to the Lord and mm-hmm. and that we'll use the rest of our income for His glory as well mm. uh, in responsible ways. It's sort of an anti-idolatry act. It is. right. It, it doesn't is. allow your heart to grasp onto it that tightly, and instead it focuses it on the Lord. It's a great way to put it. It's like preventative medicine. Yes. Almost, you know? Yes. Um, and then uh, another anti-idolatrous act is to uh, commit the first day of the week, mm. uh, Resurrection Day, the day that our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Yes. And we as God's people, as we set that day apart, not for watching football for eight hours, uh, not for getting involved in all kinds of just normal Saturday-like activity, mm-hmm. but that we actually intentionally set aside the day. And again, I'm not getting into the weeds here. We uh, we shouldn't be making up rules and laws for each other about right. what to do. Right. But in a general man, in, in, a, in a manner of speaking, the reason why churches have had morning and evening worship is to help the people of God to begin and end the day with public worship, concentrated discipleship, and then mm-hmm. in between those two times, to spend time with friends, family, d- engaging in devotional exercises, enjoying God's nature and beauty, mm-hmm. uh, spending time over meals together, and really committing that day to the uh, furtherance of sanctification in your soul. Mm. And so the day becomes special. It becomes the first day of the week. It's that first positive step as a Christian into your week to using your time for the glory of God. Mm. Uh, so once you lose that, then this becomes an issue. Yeah. Uh, because all of a sudden, you know, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that you don't have quiet times very often, which uh-huh. I, I've been a pastor for a long time, and, and I'm sad to say most Christians don't have a regular quiet time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. If you don't have family worship very often, I'll say that those statistics are even worse for families gathering together yeah. and opening the Word together. 
um, that if you're really not doing those things, and that if you're just going to church for an hour on Sunday morning, think about it. You really are being exposed to the Word of God and to the Gospel for mm -hmm. an hour yeah. or so in an entire week where you have secularism and the world's thoughts and the media and all of these things bombarding you, bombarding you yeah. all the time. So why should it surprise us if Christians aren't walking in, in maturity and not reaching out to the yes. lost and not, you know, giving, you know, I, I learned the other day that a, that a, uh, a well-known uh, hyper-progressive uh, homosexual multimillionaire recently gave $420 million to further the agenda of the LGBTQI community. Mm. And you think about the sacrifice and the marches and the efforts and the commitment of time and money and energy that those who hate the gospel and hate mm. Christian values uh, and the Word of God how dedicated they are with their time and money and then you yes. think about us and oftentimes <laughs> we are not even a tenth dedicated mm. to our cause yeah our cause our our faith the church mm. uh, than they are and so I, I think point. the lord's day is just that weekly cadence of the christian life which reminds us who we are mm -hmm. in our identity in Christ and whose we are, that we are not our own. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to t take off on that for a few minutes um, in the time we have remaining and unpack a little bit this idea that you've been getting at. And, and uh, by the way, for our listeners, uh, Pastor Don did write an article on this subject called Recovering the Lost Treasure of Evening Worship. It's on. You can find it on our website, and it was also in the uh, magazine Modern Reformation a couple of years ago. Uh, but one of the points you make that you've been alluding to here is that having evening worship, um, not only does it help us understand or, or just practically keep hold of the Lord's day and what it's supposed to be, it also, as God's people, gives us a double portion, in a sense, of, of the blessings of the day. And this is getting into our uh, understanding of the means of grace, uh, where when we come to worship, um, what we're doing uh, is, is we're sitting under God's Word, and as, um, as you've said many times, um, we're, we're coming again to hear the, the precious promises of God and His proclamation that He loves us um, and who we are and whose we are and, um, and, and what, is, uh, what is needful for our souls is what we're receiving there, both from the, um, the scriptures and at the table, uh, the confession of sin, assurance of pardon, the confession of faith that we do together. All of these things are means of grace that God in His wisdom uh, has ordained means by which uh, we receive grace um, and which we grow in grace. Now, uh, let's just think about this as far as the double portion that, uh, analogy that you brought up. Um, if we're only getting that once on a Sunday, um, then there's only so much that you're getting. And if you miss a week or two here or there, then in the course of a month or in the course of a year, you know, there's only so much scripture that you're hearing read or preached or prayed or sung. But if you're going twice a week, Twice a, twice a Lord's Day, you're getting, as you say, a double portion of these things. Why is that, uh, why is that important? Well, again, uh, we, point number one, which we keep coming back to, is that it's the Lord's Day. And while I do not believe it's a sin uh, to not uh, conduct or to attend the evening worship, uh, I do believe it is unwise and 
that there are many, many unclaimed blessings hmm. uh, that are are not received, and that's what you're you're alluding to is this double portion. Um, I don't know about you, but when I go to a good meal, a good home cooked meal, and it's just scrumptious, and I've been giving a I've been given a a, a modest uh, portion of that. Mm-hmm. That uh, when I'm done, I'm ready to go back. <laughs> I'm ready to go back. And I remember being in India uh, several times in the mid '90s, and uh, the one thing that was always common was that during our meals, uh, even after the second and third helping, the the dear Indian ladies would come over and try to give you more, mm. and uh, you'd have to say. In Hindi, bus, bus, which means enough. enough. <laughs> and, Does that mean I'm the size of a bus? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's something like that. Um, so the, the 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 thing that I'm wondering is, do we have a hunger problem? Mm-hmm. I remember walking with our our good friend uh, Kevin Bidwell mm-hmm. uh, in in Sheffield, England, and and I was over there um, a couple of years ago, and we were walking and talking and and lamenting a bit about low evening worship attendance. And why is it? And uh, and he looked at me and said, you know, John, I think that, that modern Christians just have a hunger problem. Mm. You know, you read about the church over in China and in, in South Korea, and you, you hear these extraordinary patterns of devotion amidst the people, mm. you know, coming to the church at 6 a.m. every day, large prayer meetings, I mean, yeah. daily. Yeah. Daily, having these large prayer meetings, and then Lord's Day, packed with services, Sunday schools, uh, prayer times, catechism, um, and you just have this sort of zeal and mm. hunger for the Lord. And I can't help but sometimes wonder, you know, why is it that people are so satisfied with just one service? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in some Dutch traditions uh, in the Midwest, they have three services on the Lord's Day. Mm. Three sermons, and uh, and they're hungry for it, and they would never want to remove one of those services. I think a lot of services have been canceled in evening worship over the last twenty years uh, because slowly the church has has given in to cultural pressures mm-hmm. uh, of entertainment and consumerism, and what they don't get done on Saturday because they're being entertained, they try to get done on Sunday. So Sunday yeah. becomes an errand day. Yes. So you think of how we can, uh, how the Lord's Day can become so marginalized in mm-hmm. our lives and, and just become the Lord's morning or the Lord's hour with those kinds of ideas. Yeah. Well, it's all very helpful uh, to think about these things and think through uh, the distinctions and uh, that you've been making. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I want to encourage our listeners uh, and I know uh, you're gonna you're gonna give some more helpful information here in just a second. But I want to encourage our listeners if uh, if you haven't experienced the blessings of uh, regularly attending an evening worship service, uh, we encourage you to do so uh, for the blessing of your own life and your own soul. Um, not as something that uh, to be beaten over the head with here, but no. as as something which will benefit you and and be a blessing to you. We've uh, and to your children and to your children. Ex- yes. Uh, we've had uh, members of Christ Church who, uh, before coming to us, had not made a, a practice of coming to evening worship. Come to us later after, you know, some weeks and months of attending. And uh, I remember one brother in particular saying, "You know, before, before really uh, participating in this, I, I didn't, I just didn't get it. And now that I have been coming, 
I understand. Like I, I've experienced, uh, I experientially understand the blessing of this. I uh, once heard a story of an, an elderly uh, Christian woman who had uh, a lot of difficulty walking because of chronic arthritis and she would uh, take, uh, come from her house and take the bus into this downtown church that she was in and, and she would come to morning and evening worship and uh, she mm -hmm. would sort of you know struggle walking in and uh, one night uh, someone said, uh, whatever her name was, Mrs. Smith, you know, I'm amazed that you come here once on the Lord's Day with how mm -hmm. difficult it is for you to walk and and, uh, but you come back in the evening, too, and uh, tell me your secret. She said, well, uh, my heart gets there first, and my feet just follow after. Mm, amen. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I pray that the Lord gives me, because uh, even as the minister, there are Sundays where I'm just exhausted mentally, physically, I'm tired, amen. and... Uh, you know, if I wasn't preaching, there'd be a lot of temptation not to come, right? Um, and so every time, every time I go to church when I'm not feeling like going, mm -hmm. I am so blessed and I realize I would never have wanted to be anywhere else mm -hmm. than where I am with God's people on the Lord's day. And and so, you know, the, the Psalms uh, reinforce this uh, in Psalm 92 which is entitled, A Song for the Sabbath. Hmm. It begins by exclaiming, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, this pattern that was in the Old Testament with morning and evening sacrifices. And it was a way, again, to set apart the day hmm. as holy. And so that's part of the pattern that we have set up uh, in the New Covenant Church in so many traditions is to, to keep that morning and evening sacrifice of praise, no longer sacrifices in the temple, but the sacrifices yes. of praise in Christ, to make that the pattern of the Lord's Day and not it being relegated to simply one, uh, one service on Sunday. Amen. Amen. Well, again, if uh, you're listening to this and you have not experienced the blessings of morning and evening worship, of really making the Lord's Day uh, something special and different in your life, we, we highly encourage you to do so. Uh, we're not sitting here wanting to beat you over the head with these things, um, but just encourage you for the, uh, the blessing of your own soul and your family. Uh, we, uh, we encourage you to consider these things and to, um, and to make it a part of your life. And we Yes, and, 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 and because we're talking about going from 52 services to 104 services, mm. we know as your pastors that you will know God better, that you will commune with His Son more often, in fact, mm -hmm. twice as much, mm -hmm. and that you will be extraordinarily blessed Amen. in being driven deeper and deeper into a, your knowledge and experience of your union with Christ through word and sacrament. And that is our calling, to help encourage and convince you that what you need more than anything is Christ. Amen. Amen. And that's, I think we could probably sum it up with all of that, uh, with, with that, we could sum up all of this with that sentiment, that really what we want uh, for all of God's people, uh, what we want for, for our flock, uh, is to know more of Christ, to walk with Him, and 
uh, we encourage you to, to do that uh, by uh, coming to worship as often as you can. Um, and uh, we are confident you will see and feel the blessing of that. So thank you for joining us on this episode of Between the Times. We look forward to being with you again.